Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Judges, chapter 8. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Here we are in chapter 8. Gideon and his army continues chasing two kings of Midian and 15,000 soldiers. And Gideon, who is a mighty man of valor, makes an awful, terrible, horrible mistake here in chapter 8. Look at chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. Saints, if you're there, say amen. amen. Now the men of Ephraim said to him, Why have you done this to us by not calling us when you went to fight with the Midianites? And they reprimanded him sharply, him Gideon. So he said to them, what have I done now in comparison with you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vengeance of Abizar? God has delivered into your hands the princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. And what I was able to do in comparison and what was I able to do in comparison with you? Then their anger toward him subsided when he said that. And when Gideon came to the Jordan, he and the 300 men who were with him crossed over, underlined this, exhausted, but still in pursuit. Now, stop right there. Give me your attention. The men of Ephraim, as we just read, are upset with Gideon, and they're asking, why didn't you allow us to be involved earlier in the battle? The Ephraimites were the largest and most important of the tribes, if you will. The tabernacle, if you're taking notes, important. The tabernacle was located in Shiloh in their territory. So they're important. And they've got the presence of God dwelling among them in the tabernacle in their given plot of land. And obviously, they felt like they were important. They thought they were important. And they were offended that Gideon didn't include them first to fight with the Midianites. Now, remember, Gideon, he didn't call most of the tribes. He blew the trumpet And whoever showed up, showed up. So he didn't call most of them. He just blew the trumpet. And when the people heard the trumpet, they came out to fight. 32,000 of them showed up. Now also remember that Gideon is from the tribe of Manasseh. And the Ephraimites have been rivals with Manasseh since Genesis chapter 48 when the birthright was switched. And you read that in your own time. So because the Ephraimites didn't like the Manassehites, I guess, any reason will do 
for Ephraim to have something to complain about. And this is ridiculous. Any reason, we don't like you guys anyway. So any reason will do for them to have something to complain about. You know, there are some people who are never satisfied. There are some people who just love to complain. Now, I know there's none in this sanctuary. Say amen, so I can can exclude you. All right, there you go. But some people just love to complain. You know, I've said this in the past. I'll say it again. To me, in my humble opinion, there are two types of people in the world. There are balcony people and there are basement people. What do you mean, Rodney? Well, balcony people, we all know balcony people. Balcony people, they just love to encourage you and lift you up. When you get around balcony people, these are the people who are just always got a good attitude and a good spirit about them, and, and they're never complaining and whining and, and, and griping. and compl- They just love the Lord and love you, and don't you like to be around balcony people? But conversely, don't you just hate to be around basement people? All they do is complain. All they do is grumble, 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 grumble. It's that cartoon with the animal, the dog, and he's a How you doing, man? Praise the Lord. Isn't the Lord good? Didn't God bless you? Yeah. Don't we all know people who are basement people? And you just don't like to be around people who are basement people. Oh, I got to ask you tonight, what kind of person are you? Let us think about it, my children. Hmm, am I a balcony person or are you a basement person? You know, do people like to be around you because you don't complain, you don't whine, you don't grumble, you're a builder-upper. People love to be around you because you make them feel good all over. Or are you a basement person and people just can't wait to leave you? As we all know people like that, they're a bummer. These Ephraimites, they were whiners and they were complainers. And instead of rejoicing in the fact that God did something wonderful, they became critical and analytical. And they began to strategize. Now, wait a minute. Did you not like all the other tribes hear the trumpet blowing? If you wanted to be a part of the battle, if you wanted to get in there and fight along with God's people, then why didn't you just show up? Oh, Gideon, I didn't show up because you didn't call me. Oh, well, now we know people like that, too, but we won't go there. Okay. (laughs) Oh, y'all doing the ministry and nobody called me. Oh, wait a minute, didn't you know we were having fellowship? Nobody called me. Oh, y'all gonna be quiet tonight, that's okay. I'm, gonna have a good, I'm just gonna have a good time, all right? Because, uh, you know, all you do, you know, y'all didn't go. Oh. And, and Gideon, get this, Gideon, if the Nobel Peace Prize would have existed in 1200 B.C., Gideon should have got it. He should have been nominated for it because you want to notice in verse 2 and 3, notice how tactful and diplomatic he is. 
Gideon said, what have I done in comparison with you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the ventures of Abizar? God has delivered into your hands the princes of Midian and Oreb and Zeb. And what was I able to do in comparison with you? Then their anger toward him subsided when he said that Gideon should have got the Nobel Peace Prize because he was doing what Jesus said do. Blessed are the peacemakers. You know, get, I, I, good thing I wasn't there. I just said, excuse me. And when I blew the trumpet, you didn't show up. So talk to the hand because I ain't listening. <laughs> You know, some people, you know, but Gideon's all nice and humble, gracious and sweet, peacemaker, loving Jesus. And he speaks with kind words. Gideon says, listen, guys, what you did is greater than what I did. That's what he's saying. He's saying, you got the big boys. You got Oreb and Zeb and and, and the big boys. He says, listen, you guys are amazing. God really used you. We just blew the trumpet and shined some lights and 135,000 people were dead. But you guys. (laughs) Oh, I mean, look, there's only 15,000 left and you get to show up and get some money and get the booty. And then Proverbs here. Here's a verse. We should read it together. <laughs> Proverbs 15. Pro- Proverbs 15:1. Read it with me. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Isn't that the truth? And this is what Gideon is doing here. He's giving them a soft answer. Now, let me let me just kind of convict myself here, you know. Husbands A soft answer turns away wrath. Wives, a soft answer turns away wrath. Hard words stirs up anger. This is a very, very sobering exhortation. You know, we're going to talk about that at the the, um, marriage retreat, about communicating and talking to each other. But, you know, it's very true. A soft answer turns away wrath. Hard words stir up anger. Kids, soft answer will keep you off punishment. And harsh words will get you killed. Or punished more. You know, I I think we really got to pay attention to that. Because we really need to speak kindly to each other. And so often, that's why I said this, this part is very convicting for me. And, you know, you have to teach the word even though it convicts your own heart. But, you know, I got to say to my wife's credit, she's a whole lot better at this than I am. Soft answer. You're in an argument, use soft words. Much better at this than I am. And Gideon, he's a humble man. He didn't care who got the credit. He just wanted to see God get the glory. You see that? Someone once said this, there is no limit to what a man can do if he doesn't care who gets the credit. Gideon didn't care that, you know, he's like, well, we killed her. And actually, I mean, when you look at the scriptures and you study the Bible, you can see what Gideon did was far greater than the task that was facing the Ephraimites. But Gideon didn't care about who got the credit. 
You know, so often we care about who gets the credit. We care about, you know, hey, you know, if I do that, I want to get the credit. I want to be seen doing it. I want the people and the leadership and people to see me. I want the credit. Gideon obviously did not care about that. He wanted God to get the glory, not he get the credit. Now, notice in verse 4, very interesting. Gideon still has his original 300 men, and this army is you know, still intact. And they've been traveling about 30 miles on foot. And now they're winded, they're dirty, they're tired, they're exhausted, but they are still in pursuit. Oh, man, I could preach all night on that one verse. Because, you know, I read this and I got to say that all, oftentimes I feel exhausted and winded and tired and dirty in terms of ministry and things going on. And yet I must remain still in pursuit. Christian, you must remain still in pursuit. You're tired? Join the club. You're exhausted? So are we. I think too often in the church today, this is a big weakness in the body of Christ. Nobody is exhausted and nobody is in pursuit. And they're allowing Satan to completely and totally get the victory in their lives because they're not exhausted. They're not in pursuit of anything. And, and we give up so quick. How do we give up so quick? You know, if things are not going well in our lives as Christians and we just say, oh, well, Jesus isn't working for me, so I'll just go back to, you know, the world. Satan rips us off so quick and I'm so sad. As a pastor, I see so many people who get so ripped off so quickly and so easily. Because they're tired. I'm exhausted. Listen, we all are exhausted and there is no rest for the weary. Not until we get to heaven. And when you get to heaven, thank you, Lord. We get to heaven, we'll have all of eternity to rest. Right now, it is not time to rest. You know, I, I have said often, as a matter of fact, I was talking to my wife just the other night, as a matter of fact. And, um, you know, I told her, I said, we were talking about ministry and some other uh, possible ministry opportunities. And I was talking to her and I said, you know, honey, I said, um, I could be doing more for Jesus. I could be doing more, really. I, I don't really feel like I'm doing enough for the Lord. I could do more. I could. We could all do more. It's amazing to me how much we will do for ourselves or for Satan and his glory and how little we will do for God and God's people and his glory. I'm amazed. I don't understand it. I'm exhausted. So are you. But you know what? When you are weak, God is strong. Man, when you say, Lord, I'm exhausted, that's when God really kicks in. And then when the ministry gets done or the work gets done or someone gets blessed, you then know it really was the Lord because you were exhausted and you didn't feel like it. 
May God put a rod of iron down our backs and strengthen us as a fellowship of believers to continue in hot pursuit of the kingdom. Even though we're exhausted. Hmm. So then notice in verse five. Then he said to the men of Sukkoth, please give loaves of bread. Watch this. Watch this. Gideon, humble Gideon. Watch humble Gideon. Jesus loving, humble Gideon. Then he said to the men of Sukkoth, please give loaves of bread to the people who follow me, for they are exhausted. And I am pursuing Zeba and Zelmuna, kings of Midian. Well, the leaders of Sukkoth said, are the hands of Zeba and Zelmuna now in your hand that we should give bread to your army? So Gideon said, for this cause, when the Lord has delivered Zeba and Zamuna into my hand, then I will tear your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars. And then he went up from there to Penuel, and he spoke to them in the same way. He said, hey, give us something to eat. And the men of Penuel answered him as the men of Sukkoth answered and so he also spoke to the men of Penuel, saying, when I come back in peace, I will tear down this tower. Notice Gideon says, fellas, you got the princes, but I'm in hot pursuit of the kings. And now my guys need some food. The princes of Sukkoth, which is an Israelite town, by the way, he is asking for food. He's asking for sustenance from his brothers. From his family. These are Israelis. So he says, give me food. And they said, are the kings currently right now, right this minute in your control? And if not, we're not giving you food. Because they were looking at these 300 huffing, puffing guys who were exhausted but still in pursuit. And they're thinking, well, the king of Midian has 15,000 men, and they're going to come and wipe you out. And then if we give you food, the Midianites will turn against us and, and wipe us out. And so we don't want to give you food. This is the family. And notice Gideon said, fine. When I come back, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to drag you. Notice loving Jesus, humble Gideon. He says, I'm going to kill you dead. When I come back, I'm going to drag you to the briar patch, which dragging you through, the, that's like a, a slow, painful, pointy death. I mean, it's unbelievably painful. And he says, and, and then he left there. And then he went to another Israeli town of Penuel. The men of Penuel gave him the same answer as the men of Sukkoth. And Gideon said, when I come back, I'm going to tear down your tower, which was a central primary structure in their town. Notice in verse 10, now Zeba and Zamuna were at Karkor. And their armies with them, about 15,000, all who were left of the army of the people of the east, for 120,000 men who drew the sword had fallen. So we now know, here is a commentary. Remember, Scripture defines Scripture. So here is a commentary on, remember in chapter 7 when Gideon went into the camp of the Midianites and they began to kill each other? Here's a commentary to tell us that 120,000 of them died at that time. Remember, the Midianites had an army of 135,000. So 120,000 are now dead. 15,000 are now still alive. 15,000 men. And then Gideon in verse 11, he went up by the road of those who dwell in tents on the east of Norba and that place. And he attacked the army while the camp felt secure. 
When Zeba and Zalmunna fled, he pursued them, and he took the two kings of Midian, Zeba and Zalmunna, and he routed the whole army. Notice that. Remember, this is the same Gideon. This is what I find amazing. The same Gideon who was hiding in the wine press. And he says, I am not a man of valor. I am, you know, I I can't beat an army. That's where he was. But here it is two chapters later, and we see he's bold in the things of God. God has shored him up and strengthened him. And Gideon says, when I come back, I'm going to tear up some stuff. And this leader and 299 men killed 120,000 Midianites, 15,000 of them on the run. And Gideon went up to Norba and attacked the army while the camp felt secure. We don't have time for this, but you could really just ponder that verse. Ponder that verse. What does that tell us? Never get settled, never get secure. You see that? It says, While the camp felt secure, that's when he attacked. Isn't that when Satan will attack us, when we feel secure? Absolutely. You know, I love my family. I love my wife. I love my grandkids. I love my friends. I love this church. But but I got to have a sword in one hand. Remember, I'm still in the war. I'm still in the battle and never feel secure. I don't feel secure. God has done a great work in this church. I have everything a pastor could ever want. Everything. Honestly, I feel more blessed than I ever thought I ever deserved. I never thought that I would ever. All of this, Lord, thank you. But I don't feel secure. God could say to me tomorrow, Rodney, pack it up. It's time to go. And I need to say, yes, Lord. You see, that's the only answer for the Lord, by the way. No and Lord do not go in the same sentence. You understand? Say amen. All right, good. Yes, Lord. Yes, sir. That's what we do in the military. Yes, sir. That's all you say when God tells you to do something. We don't ever, ever, ever want to get to the place where we feel secure. Don't allow yourself to feel secure. Then Gideon, the son of Joash, in verse 13, returned from the battle from the accent of Herod. And he caught a young man of the men of Sukkoth, and he interrogated the man. And he wrote down for him the leaders of Sukkoth and its elders, 77 men. Then he came to the men of Sukkoth and said, Here are Zeba and Zamona, about whom you ridiculed me, saying, Are the hands of Zeba and Zamona now in your hand that you should give me bread to your weary men? And he took the elders of the city and the thorn, just like he said he would do, took the elders. See, you got to be a man of your word. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you say you're going to kill somebody, you got to kill him. You know what I mean. All right. (laughs) So he took the elders in verse 16 of the city and the thorns of the wilderness and briars. And with them, he taught the men of Sukkoth. In other words, he killed them. And he tore down the tower of Penuel and killed the men of that city. And he said to Zeba and Zamona, what kind of men were, were they whom you killed at Tabor? And so they answered, As you are, so were they. Each one resembled the son of a king. I like that. We should resemble the son of a king. We should resemble Jesus. 
And then he said in verse 19, they were my brothers, the sons of my mother. As the Lord lives, if you had let them live, I would not kill you. And he said to Jether, his firstborn, rise and kill them. But the youth, Jether, would not draw his sword, for he was afraid because he was still young. So Ziba and Zamona said, rise yourself and kill us, for as a man is, so is his strength. So Gideon arose and killed them and took the crescent ornaments that were on the camel's neck. That, my friend, is fascinating. Notice in verse 18, Gideon is trying to find out whether these guys were the ones who killed his brother at Tabor. And when he realized it was them, he gave him a death sentence. He turned to his oldest son, Jether, and he said, kill him. Jether was young. Jether was afraid. And so Gideon killed them with the sword. And then he took, did you see that? He takes the crescent ornament off the neck, the crescent ornament off the crescent ornaments, off the necks of the camels. What does that tell us? It's interesting. The Muslim crescent moon is right here in chapter 8. Isn't that fascinating? So that tells us the God Allah was being worshipped in the days of Gideon, just like he was worshipped and is worshipped today among the Muslims. And it also tells us that if God's people would have completely obeyed him and completely wiped out their enemies, there would have never been a September 11th Twin Towers. We would never have lost three, 4,000 people. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.